Today's episode of Stories of 29 is sponsored by a brand I'm so glad to have recently discovered, Estrid. As Scandinavia's first razor brand, which is cruelty-free, fairly priced and celebrates women of all shapes and sizes, I absolutely love that Estrid is spreading joy to millions through the language of body care. I'm also a big fan of their partnership with the Fawcett Society, the UK's leading membership charity campaigning for gender equality and women's rights. Head to estrid.com and enter the code STORIESOF29 at checkout to donate an extra £1 to the Fawcett Society. I'd like to just be known as someone that's tried for other people or maybe I don't even need to be known as that I just want to make sure that other people have felt something you know it's not for me it's for them hey guys and welcome back to stories of 29 with me pixie lock on the hot seat today we have the incredibly talented and totally wonderful British neo-soul singer-songwriter Joy Crooks For those of you who don't yet know of Joy Crooks, where have you been? Joy is, in my opinion, one of the most exciting new talents coming up in the music industry, who this year was shortlisted for a Brit Award. Her newest release, Anyone But Me, has been playing on repeat all summer in my house. And as we'll find out, she's well on her way to completing her debut album. Joy's chosen year is also 2009. We're starting to get a bit of a recurring theme here as I, Yemi Alliday and Rankin all chose 2009 as well. There must have been something going on in the stars that year for sure. But anyway, 2009 puts Joy at the tender age of nine, which is our youngest pivotal age yet. She credits the year as being a really tough one and marks as the year she began to develop her emotional language, something that you can see through all of her lyrics now. Her music, which is enormously autobiographical at heart, captures the beats and moments of her life and is a journey she says truly kicked off when she released her first EP when she was 18. We discuss everything from the importance of self-expression through music and fashion and also how she sees music as a form of immortalizing memories, her own memories and also those of others, which I thought was really cool. As a result, she hopes her work is a mirror to society and music a medium for activism and change. Unafraid to speak out politically, her hopeful legacy is to stand up for what she believes in and help others be heard. But before I give too much away, welcome to Joy Crook's Stories of Nine. Hey, Joy. How you doing, Pixie? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad. It's been a long time since I've spoken to you. I know. It seems like, well, it has. It's been years, hasn't it? I don't even know if I've bumped into you since Ella Guru, have I? I don't think so. Yeah, so for the listeners listening in, Joy played at my acoustic night that I ran with my amazing best friend, who's also a musician, Josie, at Josie's Music. You must have been, how old were you when you played Ella Guru? I was like 15. You were amazing then, but it's been amazing to watch all the fantastic things that you've been doing since those good old days. Oh, bless you. (laughs) So basically, I've been reaching out to people who've been making waves in the industry to find out what's happened to them in their lives that has shaped them. And it's really cool because 
everyone chooses a different age. So it's not always, you know, when they turn 29 for this pivotal year, it's all different years. And weirdly, three of us, including myself, have all chosen the year 2009. So to kick things off, I wanted to ask you what year for you so far has been the most pivotal and the most life-changing? Well, when I got asked the question and when I was told to prepare for my answer, (laughs) my instinct was 2009. No way. I always talk about 2009. In fact, I was talking to my boyfriend about 2009 like yesterday and just how that was a weird year and quite a pivotal year for me. It it was a bad year. It was um, probably one of my worst years. Just it was really difficult at home. I mean, mind you, I was like nine or ten, but it was the I think it was the year that my emotional intelligence started to grow. Wow. Yeah. And in what way? Can you elaborate a little on that? I think that I started to become myself, if that makes sense. Like, not that I knew who I was at nine or 10, and nor do I know who I am right now. But I think that by 2009, I had a lot go on in my personal life. And I think that I had to deal with like the first bouts of like, oh, this is really difficult or quite, quite painful situations. Sorry that that was a bad year, but it is sometimes those years isn't it that teaches us the most and do you think that is sort of responsible for the music that you make now and the the songs that you sing I think so yeah I know that sounds really like ridiculous but yeah I think so it was the year that I developed emotional intelligence right that's so interesting because that is that is super young isn't it to sort of acknowledge or recognize that yeah it's just loads of really fucked up shit happened that year and yeah. Just with family and, and, and things started to become a little bit more unconventional. Yeah. And I think that I'm the eldest sibling, so we do take on a certain responsibility. And I think, I don't know, it was, you know, you just don't forget some years. Yeah. And you learn a lot. Do, do you feel like that sort of pushed you into music more? When did you discover you loved music or that you had an amazing voice? Oh, I always I always loved music. I always loved music. I was listening to music then as well. I always had CDs on me and stuff. I wasn't like trying to become a musician. I didn't think that was on the cards for me. But mm-hmm. I think it was after that after that year that I started to understand like self-expression and the need to the need to speak. Mm. For me that's always been healing. I I, I enjoy speaking. Yeah. I, um, I think a lot of people internalize things and I internalize things as well. But I think the way for me to get out of that mindset is actually speaking. And I think that year was the year that taught me that. Right. So you you feel like you spoke more and you you healed yourself in, in music. Did you start writing songs at that age? No, no, no. That was just the beginning of me. Just understanding that my brain, I don't know, not to sound really like sad, but just that... I guess that pain was just like something that was going to be a thing. Like it wasn't, I guess like the honeymoon period of being a child was over by then for me. Right. And you started to sort of grow up young. I think so. I think that's why I don't want to like make it sound super depressing. But yeah, I think that, I don't know. I think that there's always a pivotal year in your childhood. And for me, that was mine. And I think that's shaped so much of who I am and, and it's, it kind of was the was the gateway into me becoming someone that wrote songs about my personal situations and feelings and, and issues and, and my voice towards certain things, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. And I love that about your 
your music. I've been listening to your songs all morning. I love them. And they're all like very autobiographical, aren't they? Is that something that you've always done from the beginning when you first started having your own songs? Yeah, they were really autobiographical. I think I became a little bit more sophisticated in being able to write about other things that weren't only myself as well. But yeah, that's mainly where I feel most comfortable is if it's coming from me. That's great. I love that because I think that is so, so true. And for me, I think it took me a while to learn that. And that's like, that's the sort of music that I'm writing now. And I have like done in the past, but I've also just sort of done a whole bunch of stuff, a whole bunch of random stuff. But I always think the music obviously that connects the most is to people is stuff that you've been through because there's a lot of people out there that have been going through, would have been going through the same thing. Yeah, potentially. I just used it as a diary. I didn't think that people would hear what I had to say or, or sing. And the first song that you, I think the first song you heard, or yeah. the main one that you heard when I was like 15, I still sing to this day. And that was about something really personal going on at home. Oh, amazing. So, um, so yeah. When would you say was the age that you went into it professionally or sort of thought to yourself, oh, I can actually... I always say, my career. I always say it was when I was 18 and I released my first EP. Even yeah. though, you know, there's so many years in the running towards that. I think I was independent. I'd, I'd actually finally released something. There yeah. was thought behind it. There was work behind it. And that to me was like, okay, now I'm a musician. Even though I was writing before that and I'd done sessions and stuff like that, it was like, okay, this is my first body of work. I had to fight for certain things on this body of work. I had to fight for what the singles were. I had to go through the whole music industry palaver <laughs> on a very minute scale. And I think that's, to me, that's like the first time it became actually professional. I'd had a publishing deal by then and stuff, and I was recognized as a songwriter. And mm. to to a large level, I didn't have to, I could just focus on my music thanks to my publishing deal. But um, mm. that's why I say 18. 18, yeah, yeah, yeah. So from from like 15, obviously you, you played our music night. Were you going around doing lots of open mic nights and music yeah, nights? And yeah, yeah. You know what it's like. I was just doing like, I, could, I was singing wherever I could, you yeah. know, like pubs, weddings, wherever I would sing. And did you have like an end goal in in your brain or are you like manifesting for, you know, for you to have your album out and to have this as your as your career? Or were you just going with the flow thinking, I love doing this, just to see what happens? See what's ha- what happens. And I've always been an album girl. Like I love body, yeah. body of work. Me too. So... I think that that was a long run for me, but it was like, okay, everything I do now is working towards an album. I read that early in your career, you taught yourself to produce music to get out from under the thumb of an egotistical and controlling producer and that you taught yourself in three weeks, which is honestly incredible. No, no, three months. That's a big Three months. I was like, wow, that is like... Wow, but three months is still amazing. Um, I learned no, like I didn't learn how to become Rick Rubin. I just learned <laughs> how to. I learned how to navigate kind of the program and and put my songs into it and stuff like that. Yeah, well, that's great. Even though it came out of a bad situation, but what was that experience like for you? I was just quarantined in the house for three months, basically fixed. I was just like I'd eat in the local stores around Elephant and Castle. I'd go to like. Um, you know, I'd go to like this really lovely South African woman that sells West African food, buy mm. food from her and come back home and just be working 
constantly um, on a deadline. It was the first deadline that I ever gave myself. So I gave myself from September to the end of December, December the 31st, to make a mixtape that wasn't going to go out to anyone apart from for myself. I mean, that sounds like you have an amazing drive and ambition and that you can motivate yourself easily to do that. Because that's quite hard, isn't it, to say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make this deadline and make sure that I do it. And you did it. Yeah, I'm quite a stressy person. So it was, <laughs> I worked well on the deadlines. Yeah, no, that's good. So is that how you, do you live your, your life like this? I'm always obsessed with this question. Like if if you give yourself deadlines or if you have like, a five-year plan or a goal do you manifest do you like by this day I'm going to have this album I'm going to do this tour and I'm going to meet this person no, 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 or no. how do you how do you sort of how does your brain work with that sort of stuff I think that's hard to it's hard to do that kind of thing because you, as you know so much relies on your label there's so much like there's things that are out of our control such as global pandemics yeah but for me it's kind of like just trying to always overcome my standard like always breaking the boundary or just trying to rise higher and higher with my songwriting. And is that when you say, are you, if you're competing with anything, it's just yourself, like what you last did? Yeah, I think that's the most important thing to do. Yeah. So is it just like for you working hard rather than visualising or do you ever use manifesting? I've got goals for sure. Mm. I just try not to, I'm, I'm someone that actually prefers to not expect anything because you can really set yourself up for disappointment. So you believe you're a believer in like hard work that you said you have your goals. So is that just like secretly in your head? But yeah. Not putting too much pressure on them just saying this would be nice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. When I got nominated for a Brit Award, I was like, yeah, you need to go and check that email again. I don't think you're right. I, I mean, that's, how did that feel? How did that feel when that when that came in? Were you expecting that at all? Or did you sort of have it? Yeah, we had none of, none of us had none of us, not even my label um, thought that was going to happen. Would you say that that's like so far your one of your biggest highlights to date? Probably. Yeah. Especially if you saw my reaction, which is actually filmed. And I was like, nah, fuck off. You need to go and check that email. All Did my it? mates, all my mates are there. They were like, Die, oh my God. And I was like, <laughs> nah, you all need to fuck off. <laughs> I, I actually wanted to delve back into your writing because you are a fantastic writer. And you started out writing, you, know, you had your publishing deal before you signed your record deal. Your music effortlessly captures the trials and tribulations of life, but outside of your own lived experience, where do you pull inspiration from? Like, do you read? Is it is it from traveling? Obviously not traveling at the moment. Is there other artists that you get inspiration from, different genres? Do you like mixing them together? I think the thing is for me is, like, the beautiful thing that we can do with with music is we can actually immortalize memories this gets really scientific but I was talking about this yesterday Mm. as we progress from let's say Saturday happened last week yeah yeah we can remember like what we did during that day right we can remember that we had breakfast and then we went to I was in Brighton so I went to the beach and then I I went on a dinghy and then da 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 we actually forget the ins and outs like you will forget that my mate Teddy was wearing a fedora and this is an actual thing that happens with your memory you start to actually forget the the really really minute details and I think that with songwriting it's about immortalizing memories so you know the song can be the whole day for example but the verses pick up on the color of the boat on the color of the hat what kind of hat it was what Teddy looked like that day and I think that that's a really 
that's a really special thing that we can do. Mm. The, the different kinds of glances, you know, what my boyfriend was wearing or what we were drinking, you know, mm. and and I I wrote a song called No Hand, which was about the second date with my partner and I, who I've been with for two years now. Mm. And we literally, the whole song is literally just immortalizing the memory. So mm. it's like, meet me southeast on a downbeat with your khaki string vest intact. So <laughs> we met in Camberwell. He had a khaki string vest, which is like a pilot string vest. Mm. And I'll never forget it. Well, now I won't because I've bloody written it in a song. <laughs> I talk about drinking whiskey sours. We mm. were playing cards. And I know that sounds kind of boring and quite trivial, but I think that that is really inspiring to me, is that I'll be able to immortalise a memory. Yeah, definitely. Then you can you can keep it with you forever. Because like you say, sometimes you remember like the gist of the day, but the details can fade away over the years. But And sometimes not. the details are the thing that make it more special, more, more special and, and, and more genuine and more real and actually just more tangible. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So do you prefer, like with your songwriting or even, you know, as a fan of music, do you prefer the storytelling songs, you know, like the colour of the jumper and stuff like that, rather than, you know, a different style of writing where it's more about the emotion? Oh, no, I, I, don't have a, I don't have a preference. I think I generally would kind of go towards st- storytelling naturally. Yeah, but yeah. I think that I've got, got no problem with songs that are more metaphorical and slightly less um, literal. Yeah. You know, and I think that, you know, I'm, I've done that. You know, sometimes it's a bit boring to talk about walking down Woolworth Road. But I've <laughs> done that so many times. So, you know, I've got a song that called Don't Let Me Down, which is... I love that of, song. So in even in that, with the verses, I, I focus on this, this metaphorical crack in my ex-partner's eye. <laughs> and it's kind of going off the, the first line is Wandering Eye. And then yeah. uh, the crack in your eye invited all this light. It's kind of like, it's accentuating what I'm talking about with a wandering eye. And it's just a bit metaphorical. And it's kind of like, yeah. I know other people were checking you out. And it's not, you know, specific to a time and date. It's just kind of where we were in that, at, at that point in our relationship. Yeah. You know, so I don't, I don't think everything has to be literal. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've listened to songs that sound like love songs. And I find out that it's about uh, something else, a woman and her brother. Yeah, yeah. It's cool to have a mix. I think, like you said, whatever is genuine and real is the best. Oh, 100%. Um, And music lives on past you as well, as well as like immortalizing memories. Do you think music is a tool for progression, activism and change? For me, yeah. I've always been someone that talks about my political stance through music, which is hard. Yeah, that is a hard, it's hard to do that, isn't it, in the right way? You do it so well. Is it something that you that you want to do forever that will always be a strong part of your, your music and your albums? Yes, because it is a strong part of me. I get really, really flustered and fucked off with this country and yeah. the world and the way the world abuses power on a daily basis. And um, I just don't enjoy seeing it. And I think that because I feel quite passionately within myself about that kind of situation, yeah. it inevitably will seep into my music. It's just hard to write. Yeah. Well, a lot of people can relate to that as well. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you can sound really, really like literal. Yeah. You know? And I think it's really, with that's a different kind of songwriting because actually metaphors are important and certain case studies are really important and that kind of thing too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But do you do you think that's a personality trait that you could have possibly learned in the life lessons you got from your pivotal year? 
yeah, definitely. I think in my pivotal year was based so much around pain that like actually transferring really difficult memories into song is difficult. Yeah. And so when you go as far as to write about a political uh, situation, you're not only talking about yourself, you might be talking about a group of people. You might be talking about a certain race. You might be talking about a certain gender. And therefore, you're not only speaking on behalf of yourself, whether you like it or not, you are speaking on behalf of people. Yeah. Not to say that you're taking on responsibility, but by deciding I'm going to write a song about the election last year where the Tory government won, I am talking about a demographic of people. And I'm also talking about a demographic of people that support what I don't support. Yeah, what I mean, so it's it's pressure. It's pressure and you really have to be, you have to, I wouldn't say tread carefully, but I'd say, you know, I've got a song called Kingdom about the election last year. It's yeah. not released. And I've rewritten those lyrics at least four times. <laughs> yeah, they have to be, like you said, it's not a pressure, but they do have to be just right because it is such a subject that you have to get right. But you're so passionate about it that you have to put it out there. Yeah, for sure. And you're lending your voice to others and in a way your story to others as well because your work is so autobiographical, as you've said. Do you think this confidence to do this so like effortlessly has come over time as you've got older and, you know, experienced different things or have you always had it? Oh, it's, it's come over time. It's, it's practice. It's practice. Yeah. It's kind of like you've got to learn how to formulate your words and and... Like I said, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with it. So I think it's definitely practice, you know, and, and all the shit songs count. All this, that's my, that's my motto. All the shit songs count. Because yeah. they are just, and they're another step towards that song that is going to immortalise yeah. the memory. <laughs> yeah, I feel like your, your voice has such like an old school, like classic vibe, but your music is so, feels so fresh and, and new and also your visuals and, and your fashion like it, is fashion and visuals as important to you as well for like the whole project yeah yeah for me I mean but fashion is like all of it is kind of just different kinds of they're different chips of me yeah. so like music is one and then I've always been into dressing a certain kind of way mm. or just expressing myself through clothing and I used to do a lot of thrift shopping and a lot of charity mm. shopping and a lot of this and that and and then a lot of jewellery situations since I was quite young. Mm, yeah, so I, I love your jewellery. I love jewellery. So <laughs> I think that it's always been a little bit of a thing for me, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Well, it's, it does obviously go hand in hand because it's both like expressing yourself, isn't it? 100%. Yeah. yeah. And then what about routine? I always ask this. Like, is routine important to you? I always ask my guests if they have a morning routine that sets them up for the day, that makes them feel like they can take it on and like makes them feel empowered or is every day just different picks i have to i have to exercise i really i always have to exercise oh that's great what just yeah. is that for your for your body or for your mind or both mind um over lockdown it's definitely been body but definitely mind and body i think it's the thing that just gets me all that chemical endorphin release gets me going do you find that do you find that you find exercise quite important to your routine well, it's a funny one because I do think routine is great, like for especially over the lockdown. But for me, I always feel great with the endorphins afterwards, but I'm just not very strict with it. I'm more strict with I've really got into meditation just for like my mind. I like to be in a good headspace and in the zone. So I've sort of been more regular with meditation than like the physical. But I know that 
physical and going to the gym is some people's like form of meditation. Like that's my fiance. He can't, he can't sort of get on without going to the gym or having a run in the morning. So I definitely get that. Are you strict with yours? Will you always have to, you'll go for a run or is it like a? Yeah, since I was young, I've always been strict with it. I don't do running. I absolutely hate running. But yeah. I've always been strict with it because it's, my mentality is if you can get up in the morning and do a thousand skips, then you can kind of do anything you don't like doing in the day. That's so true. Do you feel like after you've done that, it sets you up for, you know, going to a writing session or making music? Yes, for sure. I think it clears my mind. So finally, I'll, I'll end on my last question, which I always ask everyone. Um, so sad that we've had to cut short, but it's because we've had we had a little few technical issues at the start, which is which happens with this remote recording. So to close, Joy, if you are to leave a lasting impression on the world, what would you like your legacy to be? Oh my God, <laughs> no. <laughs> big question I guess I just I just like to I'd like to be someone that was known for questioning things that's cool what to not just take things as they are to actually you know well just someone that stands up and goes what the fuck is that about and actually holds people accountable and also checks myself and just someone that I'd like to just be known as someone that's tried for other people yeah Oh, well, maybe I don't even need to be known as that. I just want to make sure that other people have felt something. You know, yeah. it's not for me, it's for them. That's brilliant. Well, you're, you're doing that already, so. It's a, hard, it's a hard question to answer without sounding like a prick, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, honestly, it is like the, the biggest question ever. But it is interesting because obviously everyone says different things and it's hard to answer. But I totally feel that is, that is you because that's, that's what you're doing at the moment anyway and like, and like music wise what is next for you music wise just so our listeners know I know you've you put out a song recently which I love is there going to be more to come more singles I definitely more singles and I'm meant to be releasing an album next year exciting is yeah. it, will that be your first album yes so it's your first like proper body of work yeah I'm nervous <laughs> how did you find how did you find making your first album Oh, do you know what? It it was a whole different ball game back then because I was 18. So that was like more than 10 years ago. Mm. And it was a whole different kettle of fish. But it it was a very exciting time. Obviously, like for you, it's a, your first album. It's like everything you've ever dreamed of. But it's it happened so quick. It happened so fast. Like, you know, making the album, I was making it for like four years. But once once it's out there, everything just sort of like happens so quick but it is amazing to then go on tour and do shows because you have your whole catalogue and your whole album to play and as a as a lover of music I love a body of work and I cannot wait to hear your full album from you know all the stuff that we've had so far I know it's going to be very special is it finished or is there still more there's a little bit more to be done it's it's almost there Thank you so, so much, Joy. It was so lovely to speak to you. Thank you for having me on this. And thank you for always supporting me. Of course. Of course. And honestly, I'm supporting you all the way. I'm always watching everything you're doing and I can't wait to see what you do next. You're amazing. Oh, thank you so much. Bless you. And thank you for having an amazing podcast as well. Oh, thank you. It's really fun. I love it. Lots of love. Lots of love. Thanks so much. 
Thank you so, so much for listening. Once again, if you like the show, then please rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people find the show and absolutely makes my day. And finally, a closing thank you to Scandinavian razor brand Estrid. With no animal products in their hydrating strips, Estrid is passionate about working towards a sustainable and kind process for the planet, the wallet and the body. For any and everyone who feels like shaving from time to time, I'd really recommend that you check out their subscriptions of razor blades every one, two or three months. Find out more details by visiting at HeyEstrid on Instagram or estrid.com online.